This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by the Rope Trainer. And as John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check out theropetrainer.com today. I'm uh, very excited about uh, today's show. You know, we've been doing the Perfect Game series, and I hope everybody really enjoyed that. I felt like uh, last week's episode with Justin Stone giving us the, per- the, the perspective of a guy that runs one of the top organizations in the country. Uh, does a phenomenal job in such a big market of getting kids where they need to go to school, where they, you know, in some cases it works out where it's where they want to go, and uh, in other cases it's where do they fit and, and what's available to them. And some kids, you know, again, I use my own son, just happy to have a, an offer, and it turned out to be a great situation for him. So, you know, there's a variety of reasons why some of this stuff is very important to everybody. I hope you got a lot out of that series. Um, I know that. Uh, always varying opinions on things and perfect games no different it's such a important part of the role that's played in the process i think some people uh, approach it differently than others i think everything in life's that way we don't all approach everything the same way we don't all approach things the way we should we're human we make silly mistakes and sometimes we make smart mistakes i mean it's just a it's just a matter of of personal preference and how you view things i think my biggest uh, take away from the perfect game series and some of the comments I got back from everybody is it does seem to me though that the people that are a little anti-perfect game I think and again this is just my opinion you can throw it in the trash do what you want with it I think some people look at it the wrong way perfect game is not a guarantee um, just no differently than your program for baseball your high school pro nothing's a guarantee and I will say this, there has to be some reality somewhere along the line from the people involved in it. And that kind of, I'm, I'm really kind of talking to the parents and I'm kind of talking to coaches. Uh, you know, there needs to be a certain amount of reality brought into the situation. Um, you have to be able to look around and decide and make educated decisions on where your son fits. Okay. There's a lot of people out there that are dead set on their son or daughter, if it may be, or and this applies to all sports, playing or doing something at a certain level or at a certain place. And the reality of it is sometimes that's not a good fit. Or, sadly, and but this is reality, so welcome to the world, you just may not be good enough for that level you want to play. That, to me, tends to be part of the issue. I hear a lot of guys you know, that are down on the way some of these things are, are looked at and graded, and at the end of the day, a lot of that comes from people that just can't do what it is they want them to do. So naturally, we got to knock it a little bit. And again, I'm with you. What happened to the guy? You know, is it a shame that the guy that throws 80 and does nothing but get people out can't get a look, but the guy that throws 90 and can't throw a strike has everybody fawning all over him? I guess if you want to look at it that way, you can, but it doesn't do you any good to look at it that way because that's reality. But I assure you, And I've said it once and I'll say it again. If you throw 80 and you get people out and you make good grades, there is somewhere for you to go to school and play baseball. I promise you that. I promise you. It may not be your ideal situation. It may not be uh, a a, a Power 5 school. But this game is littered with great stories. 
you got to go out and do a little work and find it for yourself. I don't believe the old adage anymore that if you're really good, they'll find you. Okay, they're, they, they're wanting you to come to these places where they can see everybody at once. Now, I'm not saying that if you're not a top D1 Power 5 guy that that's not the case. But let's face it, there's 25,000 kids playing college baseball. Not all of them are Power 5 kids. And there's a lot of great stories. So I hope you enjoyed it and got out of it uh, what you wanted to get out of it and, and, and it was educational. Again, as I mentioned to you, the show is brought to you by The Rope Trainer. Could not do the show without my good friends Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, John Smoltz, the guys with all their quality contributions to the show and what they're trying to do. Um, going to be having a conversation with Earl this week. we got great something great coming where we're going to start uh, gifting a rope trainer to our guests, uh, all in an effort for them to start applying it to what they do uh, within the game of baseball, and then come back on and give us a little theory about it. I get more and more questions every day. I had a gentleman that's a, a fan of the show kind of contact me and say, you know, I'm always looking at things, and I need a little more help with the rope trainer. So I'm putting him in contact with Kurt McNabb, who does the rope report each week from Dirtbag Baseball. Uh, sometimes the best way to learn how to use something properly and understand what it really does for you is to go talk to the experts themselves. So that's why we try to have those guys at the end of the show each week, including Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv and, of course, Rick Strickland with St. Louis Pirates and Rick Strickland Baseball. So uh, very excited about that. Uh, my host, Spiker Helms, is still out this week, uh, should be returning as we start a new series. Uh, kind of want to kick off that series a little bit this week with a couple things that are going on. Spiker had shared a story with me last week that was making its way around social media. Um, I saw my good friend Darren Hendrickson, who's a friend of the show and has done it numerous times, from St. Louis University, uh, the, the head coach there. He's also involved with the Cardinals. Uh, you know, He's down there a lot throwing batting practice and picking brains and doing that. But uh, Spiker had made me aware of this article that was kind of ma- you know that was making its way around social media, so I gave it a little bit more attention. The title of the article is "How Kids Sports Became a Fifteen Billion Dollar Industry." Now you can just say that number out loud, and that sounds crazy. But interestingly enough, I know that like when I read it, instead of being like overwhelmed, I sat there and thought, "I can see that. I know how much money I spend on sports for my kids." It's something that I do feel like at times I've had to defend, too, to people who think I'm crazy or think it's, it's, it's ignorant. I've said once, I've said it again. I, it, I think a lot of this all depends on how you look at what it is you're doing. I mean, or, you know, I, people would think I was crazy if I went out and bought a Lamborghini. So what's the difference if I go out and spend ten grand a year on my kid's baseball? At the end of the day, people are going to judge you based on what you do because that's what we do as humans. It's one of our faults. It, it's just how it works. But the reality of it is, um, you think back to yesteryear, and, and, I'm, and I'm happy to have a, have a great guest in here for this, but you know, he'll, he, you know, he and I can sit here and tell you stories of playing park baseball where our parents signed us up, and it was probably $30, and we played 10, 11 games and went to practice with our friends, and we played out in the field all day. You know, and we can talk about Andy Griffith's show. We can talk about all these great things, but the reality of it is the world changes, and you either change with it or you get left behind. People can say this is unfortunate, that it's become that it's come to this, but you could say that about many things, not just sports. We could talk about technology. We could talk about education. We could talk about all kinds of things that this applies to. But for all intents and purposes, this is a story. This is a show about youth baseball, so we're going to apply it to that. So before I get to my guest, I want to remind you all to check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. That is our uh, website. You can subscribe to the show, which we do appreciate, because when we put it out, you'll just get a notification on your phone or mobile device or or anything that will let you know 
that the new show is out and ready for you to listen to. It is absolutely free. The best part about the website, which I've become really happy with, is that all the shows are on it. The very first show I ever did, all the way up to the newest show, all you got to do is go down and, and keep clicking over pages. You can binge listen. A lot of people are doing it, and I do appreciate it. It's, it's interesting. I, um, I had a gentleman contact me <laughs> about a show I did two years ago and was asking me questions and wanted me, wanted me to get him in contact with the people from two years ago. I had to go back and find it. So I do appreciate it greatly, and, and, and just sharing it around has, has been great. You can do that through uh, Twitter, at Podcast Baseballs, where you'll find us there. Our ask there is that you follow us on Twitter. And when you see our posts with the show or, or tweets that are, have links to the show, if you'd share that in an effort to reach people, we would greatly appreciate that. Facebook's a great uh, avenue for us as well. Simply type in Youth Baseball Talk uh, in your Facebook search bar. Uh, like our Facebook page. If you see the show show up on your timeline when we share it, if you would share it, uh, I'm sure you're connected with a lot of people involved in youth baseball. We would greatly appreciate that as well. Just a way to reach out to all the great people involved in the game of youth baseball and prep baseball as we've, we've kind of leaked our way into that a little bit more as well. Uh, some of our softballers out there, too. We try to address some of your stuff, and the Rope Trainer has their new softball device uh, that, that does the exact same thing, only with a, with a softball. So, uh, again, we're trying to appeal to those masses as well, as much as we can, because admittedly, not experts in that field. I'm not an expert in any field when it comes right down to it. But um, happy to have you guys a part of our social media if you would like to be. And, again, could not do the show without all our friends at lineupmedia.fm. They are the fastest-growing podcast company on the planet. Check them out. If you go to lineupmedia.fm, I promise you you'll find another podcast that will be worth your entertainment time as they take it very serious. And, of course, my producer, Brian Crock, who puts the show together, uh, makes it sound like uh, everything's happening all at once, whereas you're obviously aware these segments and things like that are all produced outside and brought in. So um, can't thank him enough for making the show sound somewhat professional, I guess, would be a great word. Um, I want to talk a little bit about my guest. He's a, I've had him on the show before. We did a show one time talking about uh, relationships, things like that, um, with your kids and, and how they play a role in sports. Uh, the show was very well received by a lot of parents out there. I had gotten one of the, to be honest with you, it's interesting. I've had some unbelievable influential people on this show that are involved in the game of baseball and, and, and affect it as a, you know, Bob Tewksbury, Matt Lyle, uh, you know, uh, Steve Springer, Stone, all these guys that work with the best players in the world, right? This show I did with, with my friend that's on here today and a couple other dads just talking about our relationships with our kids and in sports and how it affected us and them was one of the most well-received shows we had done, and I felt like it hit home. Well, this article that Spiker had sent me, the How Kids Sports Became a $15 billion Industry, was something that we knew we wanted to talk about because it does have people on edge a little bit about whether or not they're doing the right thing. You always hear that term money grab, and when you hear money grab, it makes you back up and throw your hands up and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It also coincides with a, with a guy I've had on the show before that did a show that was very well-received named Paul Reddick. And then you might know Paul Reddick from his 90-mile-an-hour club. He's a very influential guy within the game of baseball. He's changing a lot of lives through uh, the stuff that he teaches. But Paul's also a great baseball guy when it comes to the relationships and what baseball really is. And I always say, you should use it to teach. So, And not just baseball. You should use it to teach life lessons. But at the end of the day, what do you want out of your, your kid? You'd like him to be a good human being, probably. I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of parents wanting to be a good baseball player first, good human being second. That's not right. But that's also reality, so we'll deal with that, right? So think about where you're at on this and, and where you sit in that. But Paul's a great guy, did a great show. 
Um, he had kind of told me that he was going to be toying around with this, and he's done something phenomenal in my opinion. And I just want to uh, to read you what he's done here. Um, you know, before I do that, I want to introduce my guest because I want to I want to get him part of this uh, intro. And uh, he's affectionately known to many many people as Fish, but uh, for the show, we obviously want you to know his name's Daryl Elmore. He's a dad like you and me. Um, was a good athlete in his own right in his day. Uh, you know, has a great family, works for a living like everybody else, and is just trying to sift his way through this. And while he loves his kids, is very passionate about making them good people, uh, making them, you know, good citizens in their community, wants nothing but the best for them, he's concerned about his role being a dad, just like any of us are when it comes to sports and the role that plays in the growth of their life. He deals with the same things we do. And he was so great on the original show and had so many comments. Knowing what I was going to talk about today, I wanted to invite him back in. So, Fish, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Happy to be here. Um, so, Fish and I, uh, this, and again, I'll call him by his affectionate name, Fish. I had asked him to come in a little early today so we could read this. And basically what had happened was Paul Reddick had asked me, and I'm very honored to do so, uh, he wrote a book, and it's called The 567 Dad. And the basic premise of the book is what I'm about to read you. And basically he enclosed a proof copy, um, you know, and admittedly he's like, this is not the final edit. But I think what he was looking for was some feedback from some people that he thinks or uh, my guess is by sending it to me, he's looking for some feedback because I'm so heavily involved within the youth community and I've dealt with so many of these situations I'm about to tell you about. And I'm honored to do so. And while I'm no expert, I'm happy to lend him my thoughts on it. But right off the bat, let me tell you, he's hit a home run here. And I want to read this to you. And then Fish has read this, but as I read it, I want him to hear it again. And then I want him to give me his initial thoughts because I also am imagining that you'll have your initial thoughts. And uh, it's a it'll take just a minute to read this. So stay stay with me on this. And it starts with this is why he wrote the book. He says, "Basically, yeah, here's why I wrote this book." About a year ago, I had a conversation with a baseball dad who opened the phone call by saying, I think baseball cost me my relationship with my son. His son had just come to him and told him he was not going to go to college where he was set to play baseball and that he doesn't love baseball anymore. He just hung around the game because he felt like that's what his dad wanted him to do. The conversation was significant for them because it was the first time they had had spoken in weeks. He could, um, Paul saying this, I could feel the pain of his father. I've been on a lot of these calls over the last year, and there's nothing worse than a dad who missed his moment. It's crushing, and I can hear it in his voice. Paul has developed a relationship with his dad, and he told him that he made three mistakes. These are the three mistakes that this father felt he made with his kid. Number one, he pushed his kid too hard. Um, he said that they probably could have achieved everything they achieved by doing 70, and, and I'm going to hit these in three, there's three things here, and I'm going to say what it is, and then I'm going to talk to Fish and myself a little bit about these things because I think they're awesome and they're all topic worthy. So number one, he pushed his kid too hard. He said that they probably could have achieved everything that they achieved by doing 70% of what they did, and he could have used the other time to just be a kid and develop a relationship with his son. But at the time, he just couldn't see it. He got caught up and lost in the quote-unquote elite baseball scene. He's now seen that his son was a full-time baseball player and a part-time kid, and he lost a lot of time that he needed to develop his son in, er- in other areas that he can never get back. 
that's the first thing he felt he did wrong, Fish. And when you hear that, what's and, and again, I know your reaction when you first read this. You said you felt like you got hit over the head with a sledgehammer. When you hear that first thing that this gentleman says that he did wrong with his kid, what's the first thing you think of? Well, I'm thinking if you have children that play athletics, that it, it's powerful. And I don't, I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it, but it's powerful. I mean, to think that that all the things you're trying to do with this athletics and your your young children has potentially possibly cost you your relationship with them. Woo, yeah, it hit me. But then I, I also like. Uh, you've talked a lot about the youth baseball and so like where it's when it's changed. So if it's changed, then we need to change somehow as parents. Somehow we get we get blamed like when you see that dad who's really hard on his kid or really overbearing or really and and that's wrong. But if that parent did the same thing educationally with their child, is that would be, yeah. it would be thought as a god. Like you know he's pushing his kid to be the best best student he can be, and that's okay. But when you talk about athletics, it's not. And this athletics thing is a big part of your children's lives. Well, let me ask you this. So we're, I like I like that you brought that up. Do you think that something like this would apply to academics no differently than 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 athletics? I would believe it would have to be. I mean, I've I fight it, but like, no one thinks they made. I I think you're right, and I'm not really smart enough to to talk about this. I think that you're right, but no one as a parent gets criticized for that. You don't get ostracized right. for that. You don't get you haven't made a mistake in the rest by the rest of society's viewing because you've pushed your child hard educationally. Well, and let me tell you this. I I will say this. There's nobody out there going to tell me the right and wrong of how to handle my kid. And what I mean by that is this. Just because some guy pushes his kid to the limit on academics, because I know my son and how to approach it with him, and he's not a straight-A student, I don't believe in my heart that by pushing him, it's going to make him any smarter. I think it's my job as a parent to give him uh, advice and become a role model into the importance of academics and the dedication and things like that for sure. But can really pushing him and like being on his ass and, and riding him and, and, you know, drilling him and all that, can that really be good? So when I say that out loud, as I say this to you, Fish, I'm thinking, well, if I believe that about that, why would I believe it'd be any different with, with athletics? It's got to be the same thing. I, and, and where I'm well, going with the this is, is everybody can use their education for the rest of their life. Everybody's not well, going to get well, no, their no, no. I agree with that. I think you're ta- I think you're taking what I said wrong. What I'm saying is, I don't know that hounding them and pounding on them about it is going to make it any better. No. Just because it's academics, we act like if we hound them and pound on them, it's okay because it's academics. That was my view. yeah, yeah. That's that may was, not be everybody's view, but I, I guess that's what makes this book with Paul so interesting. I believe it's going to be. Is that you? You have to find some kind of balance. So, so as your child, you were talking about, you know, is not a straight A student or whatever. We obviously want him to obtain an education that he can use for the rest of his life in the workforce and be comfortable doing what he's doing and not stuck with doing something like I'm doing that is not by choice. I just have to do it pride for the family. But so if you push him so hard educationally that he makes straight A's, valedictorian, da 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 da, has he lost something else? Maybe. Did he lose some roundedness to his life? Oh, say, so, okay, so he's the smartest guy, you know, in the state. But can he socially interact with others? 
there, there's something lost there. You know, something gained but something lost by, by putting all your eggs in one basket and driving so hard towards that. And I agree, and that's why I'm intrigued by the statement of, and I, I, I'll tell you what, this is, to me, this was the most powerful thing in the statement as far as trying to realize maybe, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the point of the state, not the point of the statement, the part of the statement that I think we can take something from as far as maybe learning and making a change. And I hear, I hear him say this, and I think I agree with him without even really diving into it because I look at my own relationship with my kid and I think about this exact statement and I think about it in relation to not just athletics, I think about it to academics. And it was the part where he says, I think we could have ultimately achieved our goal by doing 70% of what we did. So I think about this and I say to myself, I think of all the ground balls and all the time in the cage and all that kind of stuff. And I think, did we really need to go that much? Or would he been okay doing about 70%? And the answer is probably yes. Yeah, but see, that I think that's what makes all this so difficult is we don't really know. Well, yeah, I was going to say it is So in unknown. retrospect, this guy gets the opportunity to look back and say that we could have achieved 100% of what we wanted by putting 70% of the work in. When maybe you wouldn't, I guess. Uh, is what... I do know this, that if I can already tell you my children ages from 14 to 4, and if I ever had a second chance at this, I would do a lot of things different. I know this. It would crush me at the end of the day to think that any of my four children's relationship with me wasn't top flight because of the way I, I handled this athletic thing. Right. And that may happen. As a matter of fact, it may be happening with me and my 14-year-old son with basketball. Well, and it, it scares me. Because you know what? At the end of the day, I don't care if he's a good basketball player so much. But I would always want him to respect and love me. Well, what's interesting about that is I think almost – well, I, I, would ha- I would like to believe that everybody feels the exact same way you do. Then why do we push them so hard? I th- do, we, do we get caught up with it and think we're helping them? Because – I don't know that we know the difference between too hard and too little. That's true. So I don't want to get caught up That's a great pushing point. too little. That's so I don't want to get caught up educationally or athletically or just life lessons with pushing too little and always saying, just let him be a kid. Because you're, be ner- you're nervous the, about him being your buddy versus you being the parent? Well, I had always said that the good Lord put me here to be his parent, not his friend. But I don't know that I, I can say that, and it sounds great, but I don't know that I live by that. The, I think we're all that way a little bit. Sure, you want your kids to, to, to love and respect you, but I think you can obtain that too without necessarily being their, their drinking buddy, you know, so to speak. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of truth to that, in my opinion. And you said it. I'll tell you what, you, this is why I'm glad you're here today. That statement that you said is as deep as anything he put in here. And that, see, we focus all the time on the too hard or too much, right? Am I doing too much? Am I, am I doing this? What, what drives that? What drives that is, is that term of, but I don't want to do too little. And it all stems from the one thing that we hear all the time in use in youth sports. I don't want him to get left well, behind. Well, for a couple of reasons, Jimmy, a is left to his own accord. My son probably wouldn't study at all because <laughs> well, like a lot of yeah. us, he would rather be shooting a basketball or riding his bike with his buddies. So do I not push that? Do I just say, you know, let him be a kid? And never make him do his homework. Never, you know. I know as a parent, some I know that's not right. That I, that I got to do more than that. So then, you get trapped. Then you go overboard with it because we're involved in our kids' lives, and then or potentially you go overboard with it. And then you're doing the wrong thing again. Yeah. You know, you can't beat this sure. kind of throat. Right. Well, you think about it as a parent. What do you do? I mean, most I would say, I mean, for sure the majority. It's probably a very high percentage of people approach academics. How? What? 
I know what the first thing I say to my kids when they come home from school every day. Let's go. Let's get to work on your homework. Let's get to work. You know, you got a test. Let's go. Let's look at this, right? Don't we do that? Don't most people do that? We do. Okay. I believe. So, most of us. and you're right. We are applauded for that, right? Mm-hmm. Every day. Mm-hmm. But it, are we not applauded for? What if, you, what if you come home? Let me interrupt you, Jimmy. What if you come home and you said, okay, let's go. Let's take 100 ground balls right now. Well, you go. Or he got up in the morning and said, let's do 100 push-ups to get stronger. Well, and that's... You, the, you'd be some kook. That's right. So the ultimate achievement here is is to become what? Balance, I think. Well, yeah. I mean, I, you got to find a balance in there where it's, where it's right for the child, it's right for the father and the mother. But it would it would crush me to think that my kids... And that hit me over the head, Jimmy. i got to tell you, i got to do a lot of soul-searching and deep thinking on this. And didn't have time to really do that based on when I got to read this information and doing the show well don't you think about like that that whole 70 percent thing and and think to yourself you know okay so you know he does these things that i ask him to do or that he's come to the realization that he has to do if he really wants to be good at this you know this other percentage of the time he needs to just spend being a kid or we can just spend doing whatever and his choice type thing and give him some freedom and things like that. I think the freedom part is hard because I've had a lot of good people tell me that when these kids start getting some serious freedom is when you when you find out if they're really going to play or not. Because, you know, it's that age of 16, they get a car, they're at that age if your boy, oh, yeah. girlfriend, girl, boyfriends, uh, friends in general doing things mom and dad aren't driving you to the field or driving you to these lessons or driving you to training. So you really get to decide, what do I want to do tonight? Do I want to work on this? Hey, listen, academics fit in this. This isn't just an athletic thing. You know, am I going to spend my time doing this, doing, doing this, blah, blah, blah. Now, if you're a parent and you ground your kid from the car and going out because his grades are suffering, you're applauded. But if you grounded your kid from his car and going out with his friends because he wasn't spending enough time in the cage or spending enough time taking ground balls, you'd mm-hmm. be thought of as a kook. And I, and I say this to people all the time, but when you've – when listen, if you haven't taken your son's thoughts and, and, and hit what his wants and desires into this decision – and now, let's face it, at this age, what we're really talking about is we're talking about a kid has had to have been involved in the conversation of, is this what you really want to do? Because if you really want to do it, there's two ways. You can do it half-ass, or you can do it and try to become what you want to become. There's really only two ways to do that. Now, if you're going to do it half-ass, you get what you get. But how honest are they? Because most kids would say, yeah, Dad, this is what I want to do, trying to make Dad happy. But is it really Well, yes, that's where I'm going. You know, my boy don't play baseball. We've talked about this. Does it, and we talked about it a couple years ago when my boy was like in the seventh grade. Right. And at the time, the kids his age were playing 60 games a year, 50, 60 games a year in sure. seventh grade, yep. you know, through the summer and school right. and stuff. Does a kid really want to play 60 games every summer? Most of them? Yeah, there might be some out there that are so – does most of those kids really want to play 60 games well, every summer? The, 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 that's a loaded question because I think some of them don't know any better. You know what I mean? I think that's all they know. Well, I'm, I'm, I, my bet is that most of those kids – when it rains on Wednesday and their game gets rained out, are happy. They might be. That they got a day off and then go do something else. Yeah. You, now, that's got to tell you something. Well, I, I will tell you. Now, listen, as you say that, and this is the scary thing. There's, you know, of our, our millions of listeners out there, <laughs> half a million of them, okay, just said, not my kid. He loves it. Oh, no, Fish, you're wrong. He would play 100 games if I'd let him. 
Hey, I may well be wrong. <laughs> There's no way I know. This is why all this is so interesting to me, that I know that I, I've missed the boat and I'm wrong. I'm just offering my views today. Uh, Daddy can say whatever he wants, but remember, well, he's always looking through the goggles. Well, and I was going to say, I, I wasn't saying that to say you were wrong. I was saying that to say that I think we sometimes make, ex- I'm not going to say excuses, we sometimes use narrative and rhetoric to fit what we want it to fit. Does that make sense? Sure it does. I mean, that's our whole life. I mean, you know. Well, he sure seems like he wants to do it. Why he wants, you know what I mean? But yeah. I think you're right on that. I think How much uh, more does daddy want to do it and not him? Daddy, well, Daddy's probably saying, dang it, he was scheduled to pitch today, that Wednesday. Yeah. He was scheduled to pitch, dang it. The kid's probably thinking, great, I get to go around my bike or shoot bow and arrows in the backyard with my buddies. Well, whatever it whatever. is. Whatever. Something, something, something different. But, you know, I, I wanted to tell you a little bit like with my son, you know, he, he shoots the basketball fairly well, and he, he had worked for probably four or five years, literally. I know you read this about when guys become really good. You read it in their little book that they shot four or 500 times a day, and it, some of that may be BS, but I'm telling you my son literally shot 300 shots a day for four or five years. And so now he's at the point he don't do that no more. He is 14, and he's discovered other things in his life, as you pointed out earlier. Having said that, it conflicts me because I recognize that he's got a talent. Shooting his basketball, he's fairly decent at it. And if he continues to work on this, this skill, that he could, he could potentially become real good at shooting his basketball. And it looks like he's not doing that now. So I'm conflicted every day. Part of me wants him to, to continue to work hard and achieve his goals and, and – and work on his talents. And then part of me says, you know, why does dad got anything to do with this? If you don't want to go out and shoot today, don't shoot. Why, why does my feelings, you know what I'm saying? Why, why yeah. is dad saying, I don't feel like I should be saying, saying son, go out there and shoot today when he don't want to, you know, it's, well, I, but I don't want him to waste that talent either. Well, on that note, you know, I, I will say, and, and I'm, I'm, Trust me when I say I'm looking ahead here. Um, Okay, so let me say this. I'm a believer that in a perfect world, and again, we don't live in a perfect world, so this makes us tough, right? But, like, I had said that the best part of what I felt like high school baseball or school ball and then finally being in what I would call program baseball, that's what I call what the Pirates are because it's basically – like a college prep or, you know, for a few select few professional prep, whatever ball where it's not. And, and again, I hate to use the term daddy ball because not everything at the youth level is daddy ball, but whatever you want to call it. But when you go from that, that uh, 10 kids on a roster and everybody plays and everybody bats every game, that's a big change for parents. It's also a big change for kids. So I used to think and used to say to myself, the best part of that is is that when your kid doesn't play, it's a punch right in the face to you as a parent because you're just not used to that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's how your kid reacts to being sat on the bench that ultimately may define how much he works at this and how much he wants to work at this. You know, I, I, I've mentioned on here, and I've said it before, that when my son went to Atlanta to play in that tournament, that the talent was so good that I didn't take it as what in the hell am I, what what is my kid doing here? Because while I think he's a good ball player, he's not at that level. He's just not. He's not six foot one 
and could play looks like he could play college football right now at 15 which is what most of these kids look like that play in this thing he played in I mean again 15 year old kids throwing 90 miles an hour is that that's baseball that's real baseball right with wooden bats and it, so I'm sitting there looking at this and and I could have looked at it two different ways I could have said you know this is stupid for him to be here but I did the way I really looked at it was he's going to go home and say I want to be that good. I got to work harder. Or he's going to come home and go, this is silly. Or he'll get back with his club and find himself dropping down to where he's not playing as much. And then he's got to decide, how much do I want to work? So it should come from him, to your point. But I also think, and I, I agree with what you said earlier, too, and I think this is the hard part. We are their parent. And when you see a skill or you see a talent, listen, if your kid was a math whiz, would you not encourage him to do things with math? Well, I don't think I have to worry about that. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh, what I'm saying, right? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, Jimmy, that's what I'm saying. This is interesting. I don't know that we'll ever get it figured out. I think you could put all the experts in one room for the next year, and, and, and I don't know that you can figure it out. It's just part of the process of life. Things change. People change. Are we doing the right thing? We certainly are in some regards, and we certainly aren't in others. Hey, remember when I uh, – remember – a year or so ago when we I was on your show or we talked about it maybe off the air, but I had said that, look, it, these kids today are bigger, stronger, faster. They're better athletes. They train like you're around. They're better fundamentally than we ever were. But I read an article in the Post-Dispatch one time that was uh, about Whitey Herzog, and he interviewed him. And he said, but they don't have fun. And I thought about that, and I can't really tell you how much fun my son had when he played baseball or your sons are having while they play baseball. But I think I buy into that. I think they're bigger, stronger, faster, better, more fundamental, all that stuff. But I don't know that they'll ever have the fun we had. Because there's always, from the time they're five, Jimmy, there's some 40-year-old guy standing over him saying, get your hips out, keep your arms up, run it, you know. We did all that stuff on our own. We fought, we wrestled, we got hit over the head with bats on accident, all kind of silly crap. But we had fun doing it, and we only came back because we wanted to come back. Because, you know, now I'm 52 years old, so I was before all this craziness when I was playing youth baseball. My dad took me to game, occasionally watched, sometimes dropped me off and left. Come back and pick me up. Right. You know, it, it's changed. Right. So, but, but so the only reason I was ever there is because I wanted to be there. Right. We had fun doing it. But I also didn't play 60 games every summer. Right. We played in the – in the sandlot, literally the old church field, where when I wanted to go home, I went home. You know, you're uh, It's different. Well, here, uh, you know, I ask quote-unquote experts this question all the time. I ask you as a non-expert, do you think 60 games makes a kid any better than 30 games? I actually listened to that podcast with Darren, so I already know the answer. Uh, uh, no, I mean, answer it. I mean, there's a lot of things I'd like to expound on that and say, but I'll just leave it at that. And, and, and No, I don't think it does. I don't think that if you play 60 games that you're better than a guy that played 30. I think there's talent. There's how well you've worked hard when you're supposed to be working hard. There's all kind of factors that factor in. But uh, no, I don't think. But well, but I don't think that playing 60 games made you worse either. Well, yeah. Well, that and well, the reason I asked that is, and I could have done a better job with the math. I could have said, you know, what forty, forty-five games, whatever. But the seventy percent thing is what's got me curious. And the reason I say that is, is because I I take the seventy percent comment from his statement, and then I take your thoughts on it, and I sit there and say to myself, 
if I did 70%, if I did 30% less and I found some balance in what he was doing, it might be a better situation altogether. Because again, I've said this on the show too, and we've had numerous people on, and more and more people are saying this out loud too. You know, you try to make them baseball players, but at some juncture, they got to be athletes too. Yep, and they got to be good kids. They got to be hard workers. They got to be mature. They got to be all these things to be that are, baseball player that you want them to be. Are you trying to raise a major league baseball player? Well, you're you're in for a rude awakening. What ninety nine point something percent of the time? Throw out all the numbers. I don't care because they don't wouldn't mean much in my small head anyway. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you as a father, Jimmy Cromer, are you trying to raise a major league baseball player? I am not. Because then, if you're not trying to raise a major league baseball player then isn't it all right if he only does 70% of what you've been doing and 30%? Here's something. I don't really like to say this in the show because this bothers me. I've never taken – my son's 14. I've never taken him camping. I know that sounds crazy. No, it's not crazy. What? I never have either, but I don't like – I mean – I don't like the woods. I, I can, <laughs> all right. But I don't I know. Do. <laughs> I would like to take my son camping and have it. I mean, I can't find time in my schedule or the kid's schedule or the, to do something non-basketball or baseball or athletic-related to enjoy – to foster our relationship together? Well, I, I, let me say this. On that note, what I will say is, and I think it's going the same place you just went, my wife says all the time that it's awful that we cannot ever just say, let's, go, let's just go out of town this weekend. The very first thing we got to do is check the baseball schedule. Yeah, you, and you're probably headed out of town to Indianapolis to play a baseball well, tournament. Or, or to play a baseball Either way. But Either I'm way. talking about going to Indianapolis without playing a baseball That's tournament. That's my point. My right. point is... My wife has said it a long time. It, it is sad that we can never just go, you know what? Let's just go to, it doesn't matter, Hoke and Poke. Let's just go to Hoke and Poke this weekend for a couple of days. If you did that, I think your boys would remember that for the rest of their life as opposed to remembering that one tournament that we played in St. Charles when they were nine years old. Oh, yeah. They probably don't remember that. No, they don't. But, and I think, you know, this is getting back to something a little different, but when you asked me that question, I think it, it depends on the position because I definitely agree with Darren on the on the positional thing like pitching. I think playing 30 games a summer is better for the pitchers than playing 60. Now, as a hitter, I do think that the more at-bats you get, the better yeah, it Anytime will be. you see pitching is good. That's why, the, that's why the hitters in the Midwest get a bad break with the pros. I mean, they're always interested in these guys out on the coast or down south because – you know they 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 hit year round. I mean it's that's a fact. I mean it's interesting, but no, there's that that is a. I mean that that thing right there tells me right off the bat that we got to look at the amount of time that we spend because you only have so many hours in a day, right? I mean that that that's the absolute of this whole thing. You've only got so much time, and time you can never get back. Yeah, but the problem is, Jimmy, I think where this is this book is headed, and the way my thought process is headed is, if the good Lord allowed us to make our twenty four hour days, twenty eight hour days. I think us baseball dads would just fit four more hours of baseball in. Well, yeah. You might be right. You might so be we're missing the boat whether we got more hours, less hours. I think that we're not taking the time to do certain things with our children that we should be doing, whether it's education, whether it's camping, whether it's – and we're sticking way too much of it in baseball, basketball, football, hockey, you know. I mean, my daughter, she's 11. They play soccer. Again, off the air, we've talked about this. Them soccer people – I never played. Them soccer people are crazy. Well, you know, the, it's nonstop. Well, I think every sport would say the other sports' parents are crazy, but because I think we're all crazy to some degree. Well, I think that's the point here. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Po- second one. Move on to this one. He trusted the wrong programs. Uh, told Paul that the programs built their business on his son's arm. 
and they were part of the reason he pushed this kid so hard. Let me tell you what I see there. I think where this, and again, I can't speak for this guy, and I don't know all the particulars, but I, I've seen this, and what this is is I see programs with youth kids get these young studs, if you want to use that term, the bigger kid that throws hard, and, man, they, they just run them in the ground because it's good for them to win. Now, I think that's what he's getting at here. Um, this is the old argument of development over winning. And, again, I'm, I'm going to come back and use a word that you threw out earlier that I think applies. To, listen, the word you used earlier that's going to apply to everything in life, especially these conversations today, is balance. I always said we loved to win, and we were pretty good. But we found a way to balance it out and develop as well. Now, were we lucky? Maybe. Or maybe we just did it right and spent the time to make sure we did it right. And while losing stinks, when we lost, we lost. And it wasn't the end of the world. But see, Jimmy, them programs are set up so like I have poured so much time and effort. Again, I've talked to you about this, but uh, have talked to you about this into shooting a basketball that I am convinced that I could take out anybody who was willing to put in the work and teach them how to shoot a basketball well. Problem is, I got no street cred. <laughs> yep. So if my son went on to play in the NBA and was recognized as like the best shooter around, now I got street cred. Yep. Now I got people would come to me. I could charge people big money make for the rest of my life. That could be my job because I've raised someone who's such a great shooter. Not that that's going to happen, but if it did, I would have street cred. The problem with these programs that you're talking about, if they don't get that big kid that can pitch and, and win games, they got no street cred. So nobody wants their program. As you're talking about picking, picking these, who wants to pick a program that's under 500 all the time, even though the guy is? Now, if 20 years from now, he, that same guy that's only 500 all the time has worked so hard that he's produced 10 major leaguers, again, that's different. Now he's got street cred. Now he can do those things. That's why these programs do that, Jimmy, because you got to win to make them look like successful programs. Yeah. And, you know, the, it's the thing, like this whole statement rings of the – We've all seen the kid that was 10, 11, 12 years old and just dominated, and then 14, 15, you're like, what happened? You know? I, it, listen, I can promise you there's as many good stories from that statement as there are bad. Like, there's plenty of kids that are just gifted athletes, bigger, stronger than everybody, and they're those once – I'm not going to say once a generation. That's kind of silly. Um, but that's a – you know, I, I say this all the time. You get these big kids that aren't real athletic – but they're mature and they can dominate a youth sport, right? Then you get these kids that are really good athletes and can play, but they're small, so even though they're good players, they can't dominate the game, right? But they're good players, so they help you win as well. Every blue moon, you get a kid that's bigger, stronger, faster, mature, and he's a great athlete at a young age. Well, I can promise you this. Unless, you, unless something happens to that kid, five years from now, he's still going to be Big, strong, fast, athletic, and is still going to be good at what he's doing. That's why those kids are special. I mean, we had the the kid from Edwardsville here, uh, A.J. Epinesa. He was that way as a kid. He was always – it was one thing that he was an unbelievable athlete, but he was always big and strong and fast. So naturally he dominated, and he continued to do so because that didn't change. The bigger kids that don't do the things they need to do to become better at certain things when they're not gifted that way, they got to get to work or they're going to find problems when they get older. The, the, the smaller, younger kids that maybe aren't as mature, maybe aren't as physically mature, 
you know, always there, he's going to grow, he's going to do all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but what else is he doing to improve himself? Because, hey, guess what? Ain't nobody feeling sorry for you because you're 5'9". I always told my son all the time because we were worried he was going to be kind of smaller. Now he's starting to grow finally, but I used to tell him all the time, hey, listen, if you wind up only being 5'9", there's no reason you can't be 5'9 and strong. Right. Right? right. I think you and I had this conversation. Just because you're 5'9 don't mean you can't go make yourself nice and strong and able to play the game the right way. Mm-hmm. Now, are, are you as blessed as the guy that's 6'1 and 200 pounds? No, you're not. But you got to make your own way in this thing. So there's a, you know, the program thing, you're 100% right. That you got to have some street cred. So these guys are going to do what they got to do. And I think sometimes they're not doing the right thing by the kids because, again, at the end of the day, now this kind of goes back to the original thing, the dollars involved in this. And yeah. If you feel like your son may have been used to help a program, it's another example of how you better do some research into Jimmy, the programs. Jimmy, it, it, it would appear to me, Jimmy, that all these programs, even the ones you like, are doing it to win more than development. And, and there's also, a, a, I've, I've always thought this, whether it's true or not, there's also an age-related thing involved in this. Like, I don't think that any program would be right to take eight-year-olds eight and, and let's win at all costs. I think development is more important. Now, when these kids are 16 and 17, you know, yes, we're still trying to develop people, but, you know, it's not the upward program now. Let's try to win. No, I, I think I you're it. right. No, hey, you're you definitely know, right. You know, I played. I want to win. That's right. I'm going to take my marbles and go home if I don't, damn it. That's right. So I, I understand that. I'm just, in retrospect, looking back, thinking, was I right? Is that philosophy right? On two and three here that we're going to go over and are on two now, I don't know as much about it because my, my first thought in reading yes, we on first thought of number one, it was so powerful. I said it hit me over the head with the sledgehammer. Like, and two and three, how do you know? So I don't blame You're myself right. as a parent to send my child to the wrong program because my boys went to four or five different people. As a matter of fact, I got them lined up to go to somebody now. Just getting different looks, different feels. So I I, I don't I, I don't think that I'll ever blame myself if I put my kid in a program and then look back and say it wasn't the best program. Because I think I did that with, well, I do the other also with, with his best interest at stake, so I thought. But I, I can't know. I can't know, is this program better? Is that program better? Maybe I can't afford the better program because there's right. a cost involved. So, But number one, for sure, I, I will think about this probably till the day I die. About Did I, right. were I, as the leader, along with my wife in this household, did we do our kids justice? Well, and the third one, and the reason and I'm glad you brought that up, because the third one kind of ties into the first, really, and that was he trusted the wrong coaches. Didn't realize that most of the coaches he trusted with his son's development did not share his values and only saw his son as a means to an end. They used his son to win a lot of plastic trophies. But but it sounds like the old man's values in this case, and I don't know him, were the same as those coaches. Well, and that's my – and see, here's – and Let's again, make my son better at all costs. I'm not here to make this guy feel bad, but I'm going to tell you this. As a parent, if you don't pay attention to what's going on around you and you don't have the strength to say, like, hey, listen, I, I, I could tell you some stories of guys that right now are doing this and their situation is jacked up, but because these teams are winning, they don't care. So if you as a parent don't have the, the – how can you expect your kid to make good choices if you as a parent can't make one? All in the say, all in the name of winning. Lead by example, and you're right. But you know what? We probably all I know. I'll see me. I fail at that every day in some regard, Jimmy. Leading by example. I know it after you know looking back. I know it, but sometimes I can't help myself. Well, I think the 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 book is necessary. 
I don't think there's any doubt about that. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, his driving force, and I appreciate Paul doing it, was, you know, after talking to this guy, the guy looked at him and said, where were you three years ago? So I think that's the driving force behind his book. And, again, I would encourage anybody to check it out. I think it's 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 phenomenal book. And And at the end of the day, I think we all have to evaluate daily our relationships with our kids and the role that everything plays in it. And, again, this is a show about youth baseball, which ultimately – is all you know is primarily youth baseball, um, but youth sports in general are youth sports. You know whether it be that fifteen billion fifteen billion dollar business we talked about, whether it be the choices that you make, the relationships, and again that's why I was really encouraged to have Fish in here because knowing him and knowing who he is and the conversations that he and I have had that have went on for hours, you know, it it it, it he is no different than anybody else. You have this vision of the relationship you want to have with your kid, but then you go out and do things that you question why you're doing them. Well, I I felt like the most powerful thing you said today, and I think we all deal with this, and this is why I don't, like, I don't fault anybody for this, because I think the most powerful thing you said today, Fish, was I don't want to do too much, but I don't want to do too little. And where is that fine line? The balance is a great thing, but I think in 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 our quest to be better, we push. And then in our quest sometimes to be um, uh, understanding, we back too much. There's a fine line there. You're right. I don't know that there's a there, there's not anything that there's not a perfect answer to this. And I think we self evaluate every day and how we do this and how we approach it. I know that you know. I want now. I look at my son as a 15 year old. As a parent, what I really want is for him to come to me more than I used to come to him with the. Hey, I want to go do this or I want to go do that. Nothing excites me more than when he comes downstairs and says, Hey, you want to take me up and flip me some balls or, or hit me some grounders. Now he's always done that, but not every day. Like you said, right. There'd be times he'd want to go do it. I don't know if he was Mm -hmm. bored or whatever, but especially now, because now's when, you know, you're making choices right now in your life at 15, not, not, not major, but they're getting there. You're starting to think about your future and how important it is to you. So when he comes to me and says, hey, I'd really like to do this or I'd like to do that, it means more to me now, that's for sure. Um, but that's what I'm hopeful for for him. You know, I will say this. I think sometimes youth sports gets a bad rap. I don't think it gets enough credit for the life lesson things that come along with it that affect kids in a positive way. And I, again, I try to only use my kids as the example. I will say this. He has realized that he has a chance to play baseball in college and realizes from talking to a couple recruiters that his grades have to be better, and he sure appears to me on the surface to be trying harder. So how is that bad? Grade-wise. Yes. It it wouldn't seem like it it is. I'm just, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a lot... Lots are running through my head right now, but uh, yeah, I, I don't guess it's bad. I just think that uh, you know, I I was thinking when you you were talking to the listeners there a little bit about how much involvement my father had with me, and I love my dad. He's deceased now, but I loved him. But he had a lot less involvement with me in this athletics than I have with my son. And I think sometimes maybe that was better. Maybe there's a better balance. Maybe I'm too involved in my son's athletic career. Well, before we go, I'll ask you this question. Is that simply because athletics are a $15 billion business now and it's become something that we do? 
versus something that we have fun with? Probably. It's probably I mean, there is, a, there is money, I mean, let's face it. There is an opportunity to use athletics in certain situations for academics. Now, we all know yeah, this. But, so, so when you said earlier that uh, that one thing helped the other, like, you know, as a college recruiter, and, did, and you were talking about the life lessons, I, I, I'm listening close here, but things are running through my head. So when you talk about the life lessons, okay, that's great. You do got, I think it's overlooked that at youth athletics doesn't always get the it gets the criticism but it doesn't get the joy out of saying look how much they learn through life lessons with this but couldn't they obtain that with playing 30 games a year couldn't they obtain that without the old man being so overbearing and he's doing push-ups in the morning and jogging at night and shooting 400 times and getting in the cage and couldn't you still obtain them life lessons by playing 30 games a year putting a 70 percent in I, I believe you probably could jimmy i, I think that we 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 push awful hard in this athletic thing. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, we, we do push hard on it for sure. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't have any unrealistic expectations. But at the same time, it sure wouldn't bother me if it worked out for him. So you're right. I think there's so, a balance. So when your son's playing and, and he hits two home runs and makes three driving catches and he's the star of the game as an 11-year-old, you walk off feeling proud. You love it. Sure. That's right. Who That's doesn't? Right. Who doesn't? That's yep. why I said we all do. But maybe you could have got as much out of him booting the ball in the seventh inning to give up the winning run, and went home and talked about that instead of you know what I'm saying. They're just it's awful deep. I don't know if I'll ever get it. I don't think I will. I hope I do. I think this book, and I know everybody that ever wrote a book writes it on the back, but it is a must read. Yeah, for kids that for parents who have children that are playing. At least select style. You know, if your kids are playing rec and you're not overbearing. But if you think for one second that I might be that dad, you are. Read it. Well, that's the thing. If you ever thought, to, if anything's ever hit you, you need to go look in the mirror. Right. Good stuff. Hey, I want to remind everybody, show's brought to you by the Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Make sure you check out the theropetrainer.com today. Uh, we're going to take a minute now and hear from uh, everybody's favorite, Kurt McNabb, as he brings you the Rope Report uh, in accordance with uh, Dirtbag Baseball Nation, Kirk does a great job of trying to assist in, uh, in in teaching everyone about the rope trainer, how it works, what it's used for, and what its uh, benefits can be for your son or daughter today. So let's hear from Kirk now, uh, and, and then when we come back, we'll hear from another one of our contributors. Oh, yeah, Dirtbags. Kirk McNabb back with you for this week's episode of The Rope Report. Man. It's September, and what an awesome month at the MLB level with Stanton and Judge continuing to hit those tape measure bombs, and the playoff teams are starting to get figured out with just over a week left in the regular season. Not only will overall home runs increase again this year in the MLB, but strikeouts as well have increased significantly from last season. Always exciting. But with the increase in strikeouts comes the increase in the number of overall pitchers having to be used because of arm fatigue or worse injuries. Why do I bring this up? I bring it up because that's my focus for this week's episode. People believe that there is such a huge difference between the pro pitcher and the amateur pitcher in regards to why they're successful or not and why arm and shoulder injuries continue to happen at both levels. It's true, MLB pitchers look bigger, stronger, and faster and overall, they are. But in reality, there isn't that much of a difference. 
Look at the last 10 to 15 years, roughly, of the MLB draft. There is more and more high school and collegiate pitchers drafted who are now throwing 95-plus, just like the pros. And why is this? It's because their overall strength is better, which allows them to throw harder than in the past. But most times, whether you're amateur or pro, their mechanics are not good enough, and this is what causes the tremendous stress on either their shoulder or elbow leading to the injuries at some point. It works hand in hand. This happens to 12-year-olds as well as the Cy Young Award winner at the MLB level. They are not completely in sync with all the necessary requirements needed to be an actual pitcher and not just a thrower who happens to be standing out on a pitching mound. You all need to understand that the art, the function, the job, or whatever you want to call it in regards to the actual motion of pitching is an individual skill set within the game of baseball. You cannot and should not be teaching pitching or coaching pitching if you realistically don't understand the requirements needed and you should not be paying anyone to teach you or your child how to pitch if they don't truly understand what's expected or they just want to tell you what they think you want to hear or they use those great buzzwords to make themselves sound smart. If they do, this is a red flag. Get away from them. And if you do this as a coach, please stop now. If someone asks you a question and you don't know the answer, be honest and tell them. I don't know, but I'll find out. You cannot, and we have to stop wanting to be the coach, the dietitian, the nutritionist, the physical therapist, and so on to make ourselves look great. Become really good at one and find people who are professionals at each of the others and who truly understand the game of baseball in order to relate it to you as a player or your players if you are the coach or the association. This is why we've teamed up with Chris Berna, professional trainer with expertise in rotational movement and flexibility to pro athletes like John Smoltz and countless others. Now, like every week, I challenge you to think your way through with me to learn to be a better player, parent, coach, or entire association. So like we say at Dirtbag Baseball Nation, let's get dirty. I have four questions for you, and I'm not going to give you the answer today. I want you to think about them and then email us at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. That's info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com or send them through social media to us, any of our pages, at Dirt Bag Baseball Nation on Facebook or Instagram with your answers to prove to me you're serious about becoming the best you can. I will then personally reply to you by phone or email to go over it with you. Question 1. What's the proper order of importance to these criteria for sustainable success in pitching and why? A. Mechanics, B. Strength, C. Mental understanding of pitching. Question 2. Does having pitch counts help prevent injuries in youth pitchers or pro pitchers? Question 3. How should the rope trainer be used as part of your throwing program? Question 4. 
What value does the rope trainer bring to your overall throwing program? Please try to answer all four questions for me and then send them directly to us. I guarantee you, each and every one, that I will send your answers or, or that send your answers to us that we will review and reply. You all know how serious we are here at Dirtbag Baseball Nation about our throwing program as well as becoming your number one resource when it comes to throwing and pitching. We have dug and will continue to dig deep and get dirty to bring you a common sense understanding of how to pitch as well as providing you only with training aids like the rope trainer if we believe in them 100%. We've already turned down other training aids that we have drills that can do the same thing and it doesn't cost you anything. So your jobs for the next week are as follows. Get these answers into us. If you have the rope trainer already, I need you to send us a video or photo of you using it so we can post it on our social media pages. We love it, we want it, we do it. That's what's gonna build a great nation and be able to create understanding throughout. Three, if you wanna get your own rope trainer, then I need you to go to www.dirtbagbaseballnation.com. You can scroll down to the rope trainer, click on it, and then from there you make sure you enter Dirtbag5 at checkout so that we know you heard about it here on the Rope Report. The fourth thing I want you to do, if you haven't already, I'm asking you to please go to at Dirtbag Baseball Nation on Facebook or Instagram or both and like and follow us to keep up to date with what else we have going on. All right, Jim, thanks as always. And until next week, let's hope those cards can somehow become a bunch of dirtbags and get into those playoffs. And for the rest of you, I can't wait to get those emails or welcome you to the nation on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Cheer hard, play hard, coach hard, and let's get dirty. Great stuff as always, and we do greatly appreciate that rope report brought to you by theropetrainer.com and, of course, Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Kirk does such a great job, and he's a great spokesman for that wonderful company. Uh, of course, uh, our good friend and yours, Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv, brings you his tip of the week uh, here on Youth Baseball Talk. So let's go over to Justin Travis and the gang, and see what they have for us from EliteBaseball.tv. Take it away, guys. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv coming to you with the tip of the week. And we've added a new class here in Chicago with Elite Baseball Training, and it's a functional strengthening class. You might think, okay, I'm in a gym today, I'm in a weight room, and we've been filming some of the exercises we're going to do for this class. You think, well, are we just talking about high school athletes, college athletes, pro guys we know spend a lot of time in the weight room? No, I'm talking about seven-year-olds. And oftentimes, the things that we're asking them to do from a fundamental standpoint, they simply don't have the functional strength to do yet. Now, when we were growing up, we got this through general play, and I've talked about that a number of times as, we, as we've gone through these podcasts in our members' blogs on EliteBaseball.tv. But if kids aren't doing that today, if they're not climbing trees, if they're not swinging from the monkey bars on the playground with regularity, and they're not used to moving their own body weight, you need to get them with somebody that can get them functional strength. Even worse, so many kids today are specializing in one sport at a very early age. And they get so used to the movement patterns of that one or sometimes just two sports, 
And then when they get outside of the framework of those patterns and they have to make athletic movements on a competitive stage, they're not used to making those type of movements because they haven't done it through general play. So what do we have to do is we have to put together a program for them that allows them to strengthen the body at every aspect, lower body, core, and upper body, so they can do the things we're asking them to do in a competitive setting. For instance, if we don't have unilateral work on, on one-legged work, for baseball players especially, so much of the body is just working in one turning pattern that they don't understand that there's bias from one side of the body to the other. So they end up just working one side over the other, and they get very underdeveloped for both sides of their body. We have to work these things individually. We talk about scap load a lot with throwing and with hitting. If I don't have scapular stability and strength, how am I going to get, be able to get into and maintain a scapular load with resistance? And that resistance in the movement is against the lower body, which we know is strong, firing forward. And I'm asking my upper body and my scap, a smaller muscle group, to resist against that. If I don't have the functional strength to do that, I'm up against something that I'm not going to be able to do correctly from a fundamental standpoint. So for instance here, you have those coaches all the time are saying, you're pulling your head off, my front shoulder's going. And even in a lesson, I'm trying to get them to hold that upper body load and get them to understand what an upper body load is. But they physically cannot do it until they get a little strength. So what we've incorporated now for seven to nine year olds is a class that just works on functional strength and stability movements for baseball for our youngest athletes. And it's the foundation of every athletic movement. This is gonna help them on the football field. This is gonna help them on the basketball court. This is gonna help them on the hockey rink because the basis of movement is being able to move your own body weight through squatting exercises, through handstand holds, through core rotations. If this isn't something that's incorporated into the regiment of an athlete that is training in a sport, they're never gonna be able to maximize what they're doing in that sport. So if you're spending four hours a week on baseball fundamentals, and it's fun, and it needs to be fun for these athletes, and you're, you're playing with your kid out in the yard, and you're taking ground balls, every time you do the aspect of the fundamental moves, you need to be doing some aspect of body weight, and make that fun too, body weight training. Go to the monkey bars and challenge them to do pull-ups. Get on the ground and challenge them to do push-ups. Watch American Ninja Warrior, and challenge them to move their body in some way. They're gonna have fun doing it, and it's gonna help and translate to the competitive side of baseball, as well as keeping them healthier on the field. So my point to you here, if you are not addressing these things right now, and your child isn't out active, running around on the playground all the time, doing cartwheels all the time, trying to walk on their hands at their own leisure, and figuring out how to move their body weight, they are not gonna be able to maximize performance on the baseball field either. So you need to get them in a strengthening program. It doesn't have to be weight, but it needs to be understanding, we call this kinesthetic sense, understanding how their body weight moves and be able to move that body weight for a, a maximum amount of repetitions. Until next week, come check us out on EliteBaseball.tv where we put all of these exercises for functional movement on our website just this week. Come check it out, it's free for 48 hours. Until next week, this is Justin Stone, and we'll see you on the field. Good stuff, my man. As always, greatly appreciated. And, of course, uh, we could not do the show without our great contributions from all the, uh, the, the wonderful instructors and influencers within the game. And that includes my friend and yours, Rick Strickland, from Rick Strickland Baseball and, of course, the St. Louis Pirates. Let's hear from Rick today. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Glad to be back on the show again this week answering questions from the wonderful audience about 
all things youth baseball and you know how we can give information out to them that may help them prove it. But this week's question was a very interesting question because it's one that you know in uh, youth baseball we address you know consistently, you know almost to a point that you address it every day, um, and. Uh, uh, you got to the point that you know one of the most popular documents out there was a document, uh, a letter that Coach Mike Matheny of the St. Louis Cardinals wrote called the Manifesto, Parent Manifesto. And uh, the question this week was, Coach, your thoughts on Mike Matheny's manifesto and the premise that we should basically leave our kids alone when they get to the field. You know, I talk about that every day in our club program and you know how to handle things and you know time frames and things of that nature. But I think the competitive nature of of the parents and just from the standpoint as parents we'd like to make sure that our kids are are always in this situation put them in the best situation for success but that's not how sports works I mean, sports works uh... basically uh... from a standpoint that you put kids in that environment for social activities but also an opportunity for them to compete and make themselves the best player that they have they can make you know i uh... talk to parents all the time about the uh, problematic situation that if we have to be addressed by a parent because of a plane situation or lack thereof a plane situation really and truly that's all you um, that's all you need to know that the parent has to come to you to advocate for their son uh, or daughters to be in in the lineup um, you very rarely have I seen I'm sure it happens uh, in the communities uh, sports communities all over the country uh, but but very ra rarely do you see a coach who puts a kid on a team that really has a personal vendetta uh, and wants to hurt uh, somebody else's child. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, uh, but rarely do you see a situation there. Usually what you see, especially in, in parent coach teams, is you see a parent that is acting just like the parent who complains, and that is they put their child... Uh, in a situation that they view uh, is going to get a chance for kids to promote their kid and put them in a better situation for success. And that's not necessarily right, but it's the right of the uh, coach, if he's taking his volunteer, volunteering his time, to build a team around his, his kid. Uh, you should expect some of that to play. The problem with everybody wants a professional paid coach at the youth levels, and that's extremely expensive uh, and probably not at a, not to the point that you, you're going to pay people to do that and they're going to make a substantial living at doing that. Heck, even in the professional mar market, you know, coaches don't get paid all that well. So you can imagine that really the clear path and the gateway for coaching is to have these volunteer coaches to go out there and do, do it. And they take a lot of time and resources away from their families trying to put these things together. So hopefully parents will have respect for that when they are trudging above it. But at the end of the day, these parents that complain, they want their kids to be successful, there's usually a common thing amongst those athletes. Uh, and those athletes have the dogged determination to make themselves better, regardless of parent intervention uh, at this point. So when I, I see these athletes all the way up from, from youth sports all the way into the professional and college frame, they share a common quality, and that is they are extremely passionate about what it is that they do, and they want to be successful and good at it. Rarely do we see a kid who doesn't show up for practice, doesn't put in extra work, but parents are always complaining about playing time and where they play on the field and from a baseball or fast pitch perspective where they hit in the lineup. Very rarely do you find that those kids turn out to be extremely successful at the sport. 
my history has shown me is that the kids who are really engaged and really want to be good with with the sport really don't need a whole lot of parent engagement with the coach at this point in time. So from my perspective is, you know, you raise your child to get after as hard as you can. Uh, hopefully you can uh, instill in that kid uh, that there's a passion to be good and great at the sport. When you do that, then you, you're going to have a situation where you can sit in the bleachers and just watch your, your athletes perform. And also you have to come to real truths with this, and that is sometimes you know, for most of us, that we're not going to play professional sports. Uh, we may not even play college, collegiate sports. Uh, it is an opportunity to go out there and enjoy yourself and compete. And that's one of the things that get lost a lot of times. Uh, kids are not competing. They're being handed things and handed opportunities. That's the broken model that we have right now in select baseball, which I'm a part of, is that you don't make kids compete for spots you actually hand it. So there is a... a um, uh, situation where kids expect to play uh, instead of earning their rights to play. Uh, and that's the problem. And when those kids have those expectations, so do the parents. So I think from my perspective, I think you should expect the kid to go out and work his tail off. Uh, and if he does all those things like that in youth sports, I know that there are a lot of good coaches out there that do reward kids for, for their efforts and being able to get out there on the field. But from a parent's perspective, we do have to come to the real truth that, that we have to also be honest with our, our kids. And I tell my daughter, you know, wherever you hit in the lineup, that's, that's, that's kind of where you hit. If you want to bat first, I'm, I'm for that. But you're going to have to get in the cage and put in the work to make yourself a better player. And if you don't want to do that, don't expect the handouts from, from your coach. Uh, and don't expect me to sit behind the dugout yelling and screaming at your coach for playing time. I'm just not going to do that. And I tell my daughter all, all the time like that. I love Joe Madden's term, you know, try, to, try not to suck today, which I use with my, my kid all the time. You know, be good, uh, be passionate about what you do, and always strive to get better. And if you do that, then good things will come to you on the baseball and fast pitch side. And that's what I tell my kid. Uh, but, you know, I, I can I'll end this by saying this, Jim. I remember I was watching my, young, my youngest daughter play soccer. And, of course, I don't know much about the sport. But I decided I wanted to be a parent and yell something. And this child stopped in the middle of the game and looked at me and said, Dad, shut up. All right, you know nothing about soccer. And the parents on my left and right were cracking up laughing. And I think that's the last time I've ever spoken uh, loud at a, at a competition for my kids. So something I, I'm really, really passionate, you know, figure it out. And if it's not the right thing for you, when it's all said and done, we'll pack up and we'll move to something else. And we'll find something that you're passionate about. So that's what I say. Just, you know, parents do they need to stay out of it. They need to be supportive if they possibly can. Uh, more than anything, they're going to give uh, 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 benefit to their kid if they're really pushing that kid to, to be the best that they can possibly be. And, and they got to let them fail. And when they fail, they got to be encouraging to get themselves, help these kids pick themselves off the ground but, and then move on from there. But, so I don't have a lot of sympathy. A lot of times when kids don't get an opportunity to play, usually, usually it's because the kids haven't paid the price to be as good as they can. So I, I can talk about that subject forever. Uh, because every day we're faced in our in our business uh, different variations of questions or uh, parents that, that mingle or, or want to be involved in this process so much. But you know, a lot of times when you're at the level that we are, you're all also coaching 
kids and you also train the parents as well and that's kind of been our philosophy when you have really good athletes you also have to train the parents to be parents of a really good athlete for the most part that's it just this week jim i can't wait for next week's question thanks again for having me on the show look forward to talking to you soon if uh, any of you guys have additional questions you can reach out through us to train rsb.com uh, you know that we run the st louis pirates uh, program it's that tryout time again you can find the tryout form at stlouispirates.org if you're interested in, uh, in from 14U to 17U baseball here in the St. Louis area. Thanks again, Jim. Talk to you next week. Really good stuff, bud. Can't tell you how much I appreciate you being a part of my kids' life and, of course, doing the show each and every week and providing great content for our listeners. Uh, Fish, I appreciate you coming on today, man. It meant a lot to me and um, love having you back on the show, as I always do. You do such a great job. And, um, you know, I think your, your genuine love for sports and the relationships with your children you know comes through in such a genuine way that i think a lot of people when they listen to you they feel like they connect so it's very important for have people like you involved in this well thank you for having me and i would love to come back anytime well you're always welcome of course we need enough we need we can never have enough good voices within the game of use of baseball but of course any youth sport in general so uh, i want to remind everybody check us out youthbaseballtalk.com uh, you can listen to old episodes. You can hear the new one. And, of course, you can subscribe to the show. Find us on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Uh, we'd appreciate the, 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 the follow, and we'd follow you back if you're involved in the wonderful game of baseball as well. Share our stuff around. We would greatly appreciate it. Same with Facebook. Hit us up, Youth Baseball Talk. Uh, like our page. Share our stuff. We could not thank you enough for doing so. And, of course, thanks go out, as always, to the gang at lineupmedia.fm, the fastest-growing podcast company on the planet. Check them out. I promise you you'll find another podcast that you're interested in. Uh, for my co-host, Spiker Holmes, who is in here, my guest today, Fish, I can't tell you how much I thank you being on. And, of course, my producer, Brian Crock. I'm Jim Cromer, and this is Youth Baseball Talk. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.